Facebook. Okay, so we'll be live in a second here. Okay. Okay, welcome everybody to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and with me as always is Caleb Jenks down in Rosebud, Texas. And tonight we are going to talk to you about... Oh, you know what I noticed? A lot of people get on here and they look at the description. Okay, so they don't look at the title. For some reason, that doesn't show up. But what does show up is the description. And a lot of times my description doesn't tell you what's going on here. So I was going to put it up um, on just on the screen so everyone knows what's going on. Uh, so tonight we're talking about obeying the government. When should a Christian obey the government? When should a Christian not obey the government? And what does the Bible say about it? So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And then next week, we want you to join us for judging others. So we're going to tell you the best way to judge others. There are some techniques that you need to learn if you're going to... Um, accurately judge others, effectively judge others in and outside of your local church. And we want you to learn that here. We want to be a help and we want to bring that to you. So join us next week when we show you how to judge others. Okay. There's a way to point the finger and we want you to know how to do that properly. So with that, obeying the government. Okay, Caleb, um, you know, it's my favorite thing to do. Uh, so tell me, what do you think about a Christian obeying the government? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? I forgot my mask. <laughs> I can't believe oh, it. Man. Of all nights, and I forgot my mask. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't want to get it's... started on that road. But that's a, you know what, We're, that's going to have to come up. Because I don't know what it's like in Texas, but I can tell you that there are laws that are affecting churches in Colorado. And, you know, that's one of the questions that's coming up is what, you know, should we be obeying the government? So, okay, so when should you and should you not obey the government? Where do you want to start with this? I mean, what do you have any direction you wanted to go in? No, I mean, we'll see if we can actually fill up a whole hour on this. Uh, oh, topic, but I, I know I can throw a fit about the government. I mean, that's not going to be hard for me. But as well, a, um, as a Christian, okay, because really that's what we're talking about. As a Christian with yeah. a with a good government, we're actually really fortunate to be in a time where we complain about our government, but we have a relatively good government here. Um, so we should be pretty happy to obey the obey our government the bible says for us to do it and i think um it's pretty good for us to as a general rule assume that we don't uh we don't go out on a limb to be troublemakers but i would say that there is an exception and that is there is a higher law above the laws of the land and that is god god is one of the instituted government and so i was going to go to uh, romans perfect chapter 13 So we're going to start out by looking at where the Bible says that we are to obey the government. Yeah. So here we have. Get it. Paul. And if you remember, um, he's talking about the. This is a letter to the Romans. And so the Romans, this is a church in Rome at the time. And they were under Nero. And Nero was not a good guy. If you you remember the story about Nero, um, he ended up into some trouble. And he decided that he was going to 
try to bring his kingdom back together by um, by persecuting Christians. They were mm-hmm. kind of the scapegoats of the situation. And so if there was ever a time where when people should have been able to disobey the government, it would have been under a bad ruler like Nero. But here Paul was writing to the Romans in chapter 13. Um, and he says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever there therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are, are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth the sword in he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So it's pretty clear that Paul's saying here that the government is set up by God. It's instituted by God. And um, I would say, and then it goes on to talk about paying your taxes and that these, that people that serve in, in uh, civil servants in public office are actually, they're serving God because God's the one that set this up. So this is kind of an interesting thing because a lot of us kind of roll our eyes at the thought of the fact that the government that we live under being instituted by God. But yeah. the Fed, in my opinion, there is a need for for law enforcement. Otherwise, you have law, lawlessness. And there's mm-hmm. obviously some government agencies that are completely outside of the, the realm of punishing evildoers mm-hmm. or rewarding those that do good. So obviously there's some gray areas that we can get into. It's like, do you have to follow every little thing that comes down? Um, or is there, is there times where it's possibly going against God? But anyway, I thought that would be a good one to, to start out with. So something that is important for folks to know is, and, and this is something that I have to try to separate in my own mind. There is Patrick Hayes, the American who is a patriot, and there is Patrick Hayes, who is a Christian, and those guys are separate. And it's important for me to remember that when, especially when talking about things like this, because I don't know about you, Caleb, but every presidential election, I always hear a lot of Christians like, you know, moaning and groaning about how the president, you know, just isn't that good and godly of a person. It's like, okay, but if you were electing him to be the pastor of your church, I would understand your concerns. But that's not what we're electing the guy, you know, to the position of. So what we're electing them to the position of is a uh, political office. And therefore, I want him to be qualified to run that office. If he could also uh, just be a real bang up guy and a solid Christian who could pastor my church as well, that would be great. But at the end of the day, I don't expect that. I don't expect to ever see that in my lifetime. I know I'm unelectable. So I'm not running, you know, I imagine because you and I do this and everything that we say is on record out there, you know, can you imagine the, if you ever decided to run for public office? Yeah, they'd find a that's find all they some do. old episode. Yep. They would just find our YouTube channel and just play it nonstop. And that's they'd I pull mean, it. 
That'd they find it. like th- they find 300 clips of something that we said that was oh yeah <laughs> socially unacceptable yeah no one would even sexist try hard oh racist everything yep they could throw the book at me okay so so that you know that's one thing i gotta remember is that what we're talking about is how should patrick the christian obey um behave so you made a great point not only did Jesus and Paul talk about this, but they talked about it when one of the worst, most oppressive governments in the history of the world was in charge. So you got to remember that it was only about 25 uh, years um, or 20 years after this, when Rome came into Jerusalem and literally leveled it, just wiped it clean, tore down the temple, destroyed the entire city, knocked down the walls, lit the place on fire, turned it to ash and dust. I mean, they were living under a horrible, horrible government at the time, and still they were being told to do this. Jesus went so far as to remind us that we can use our Christianity even when we are being oppressed as a tool for witnessing. You remember when he said, if someone compels you to carry their load a mile, carry it too? Well, that was a Roman law. Any one of the Roman soldiers could pick any Jew living in Israel and say, hey, you, stop what you're doing. Come on over here, pick up my burden and carry it for a mile. And by law, they had to do it. They had to pick that um, uh, th- that gear up for the soldier and walk a mile and then they could set it down and go back to what they were doing. And what did Jesus say? He didn't say argue with them or, you know, <clears throat> debate. He said, nope, carry it two miles. That's what you're going to do. Okay. So we absolutely are supposed to obey the government. We're absolutely supposed to pray for our leaders. And I think too many Christians take the road of civil disobedience too quickly. And I'm not saying that there is not a time for that. I absolutely believe there is. What I'm saying is I think too many people use it as an excuse or a reason to just be disobedient to the government because they don't like them and they don't want to obey. What are your thoughts? Right. Well, yeah, so you got the you you mentioned that you tend to be the patriot type. Sure. Um, then you also have anarchists that are mm-hmm. against any form of government. <clears throat> and um, we can see that we can see the detriment that that's having right now. If you look at the the the, um, the movement, the rioting, the burning down police stations, just a complete utter disrespect for law enforcement. And that doesn't mean that all law enforcement is good. There's obviously plenty of bad actors out there. There's plenty of bad cops. It doesn't mean that we need to worship the government. But you can see that there's there's a, kind of this tendency for people to go to one extreme or the other. It's either, <laughs> it's kind of funny because I see people that are now nowadays that probably a year or two ago would have probably had some real legitimate concerns about police officers and the way that they handle their businesses. I, I mean, there's, there's some police officers that really have a, they got a chip on their shoulder and they've got it out to get somebody. They got a, you know, they're out on a power trip 
And there's people that have recognized that. Well, now with with this current movement that we have going on, there are some of those people that are very, very much, you know, supporting the police. 100% police can do no wrong now <laughs> because you kind of end up going in the other ditch. And I think it would be good. This is a, kind of a timely topic to be talking about right now because it is something to be considerate of as Christians. Do you end up in one of those ditches or the other where pretty soon you almost start worshiping the government, um, thinking that they're they're the answer? Or do you end up in the in the boat of saying that, you know, re- rebellion against government, anarchy, so, like you said, civil disobedience, in a in in an inappropriate way and i think that as christians that we can easily see here in scripture that it is ordained for us to submit ourselves uh peter said the same thing that paul said we're supposed to be submitted to our to the leaders if we go peter chapter 2 verse 13 to submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the lord's sake whether it be to, to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing, ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. So I think we are supposed to be submitted to the government and we can find that there are exceptions to this as Christians when the government goes against God's laws. And I think that'll be kind of an interesting, some interesting things to discuss as far as examples in the Bible, where there were people that clearly went against the government sometimes even had to take some um, had to almost, had to lie to, to do what they were doing and God just seemed to um, bless or affirm their actions. You had the, the midwives that were um, were told to kill all the, the male babies in, in uh, Egypt and Moses comes along and the, the midwives not only disobeyed that command, but they then, lied to cover it up mm-hmm. and there, there you have moses and it oh, was yeah. part of god's plan so you see that you see that there are exceptions um and so anyway you you had the thought a second ago and I'm running. well you made a great point about how um people can end up going to an extreme where they're worshiping the government and for the christian one dangerous thing is for the christian to think that they're hope is in the government. Now, I don't think anyone's looking to the government for salvation, but it is amazing to me the number of Christians who are so politically active. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to, before I go any further, I'm going to say, I am glad that there are lots of Christians who are politically active. I am glad that there are lots of people who go to church and read the Bible and love God who are very serious about politics and they are trying their best to make this country uh, the way God would want it. That makes me happy. But I hate to break it to everybody. I've read the book. I know how it ends and it only goes downhill. There might be a reprieve for periods of time where in America we have more freedom and we have um, a president and a Senate and a Congress that uh, would allow this country to turn back to God to some degree. And and that's wonderful. Uh, But for me, I'm not I'm not looking to the television, listening to the radio for my hope. I'm looking up. So. You know, and this will this will sound funny, but 
there are so many people that, you know, are on one side or the other of the political aisle in America. And I'm talking Christians. Okay, Caleb, do you know that I am neither of those things? I am a monarchist. Okay, I am in favor of a king. That's what I want. Okay, I'm not looking for this guy to win or that guy to win or whatever. I want a king and I'm not picking one out of 10 options for my king. There's only one option and that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting right. for Jesus to take the throne and be the king and rule the world. That So I am a monarchist, not a Republican, not a Democrat. I'm a monarchist. I'm waiting for a king and that is going to be the only thing that satisfies me. So we're not there yet. So now we have this government and the government is a pain in the neck because, okay, Caleb, I got a question for you. And, and let's see how this works. There are only two things that a government can do. Do you know that? As far as a government interacting with you, there are only two things they can do. Do you know what they are? Do you want to give a guess? We're talking broad no, strokes know. here. Okay. The government can spend your money and they can limit your freedom. That's it. Those are the only things they can do. Now, what they spend your money on? Well, they spend it on lots of things. And some of those things we're grateful for and other things we consider abhorrent. But that's all the government will ever be able to do. So as we're trudging along here, they come up with an idea and they give us an easy one, one we can bat out of the park. OK, and they say, Caleb, you are no longer allowed to read the Bible anymore. Bibles are illegal. It's literature that is now forbidden. OK, what do you do? Yeah, that's that's a good example of a time for civil disobedience. There's been many Christians that have lost their lives over yep. the decades, including Jesus, because of going against and finding yourselves on the wrong side of the law. Um, in obedience to God, you look at Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you look at Daniel, you look at so many different situations where where they ended up giving their lives. Uh, well, and God delivering Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, obviously, in that situation. Um, so here's. Here's a uh, kind of an interesting thing that this this has always been something that I said since for I don't know probably eighteen I was probably eighteen or nineteen years old when I made the decision that no matter what I would never want to be in the armed forces in the United States mm -hmm. and I said if I ever was going to be a part of an army somewhere I would want to go to Israel and join the join the military in Israel the mm -hmm. IDF the IDF and that is for one reason. So if you go back to uh, Deuteronomy 32, um, eight and nine, and actually earlier on there, there's, there's, there's many, many passages where, where it looks, it looks to be that God set up governments and gave the, the children of Israel a king because they rejected God. Mm -hmm. But in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 32, uh, verse eight and nine, it says when the most high divided, to the nations, their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion it is his people. Jacob is a lot of his inheritance. And some other versions here, um, some other translations seem to indicate this in a different way. But 
there was God's people and there was all the other people mm-hmm. and we're all the other people mm-hmm. <laughs> We're as Christians, we get grafted in and we're a part of his, but, but our government is not. Mm-hmm. And the only, the only government that, that it was actually set up um, to be that God ever actually established and set up was, um, was the children of Israel. And some other, some other translations, and I haven't studied a lot on this and I don't like to get all off in the weeds on, on this kind of a thing, but some other translations, and there's a lot of commenta- commentators that believe that this was talking, that God was, was giving the, it says the children of God were, um, were given the different, the different control of the different nations, but the Lord's portion was his people. Now there was a, an interesting, um, example of this that comes up in Daniel chapter 10. And I should have pulled this up, but in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel had this very interesting experience with um, a vision. And I should have pulled this up because I cannot, I think it's toward the end. (laughs) Toward the end of this chapter here. So anyways, he, he, he talks about, that there was demons that were embedded in the different governments of the land. And he, and this was, Oh, I'm just gonna go ahead and read the whole chapter. Cause I, I should have looked this up and found where it was. It's a very, inter- this is a very interesting thing. Mm-hmm. So in the third year of King Cyrus, King of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called belt, Belsh- Beltazar. How do you say, I don't know how you say that. I'm just going to butcher these names and go Belt-Jazar. through it. Belshazzar. Belteshazzar, yeah, there you go. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the fourth and twentieth day of the first month, I was by the side of the great river, which is Hittichel. Sure. Butch, butcher that again. That's good. Then I lifted up my eyes and I looked and behold, a certain man clothed in linen whose loins were, were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. His body was also like the, the barrel. I guess he was fat. <laughs> he had the barrel body <laughs> and his face as the appearance of lightning and his eyes as lamps of fire and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass and the voice of his words, like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel alone saw the vision for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but the great quaking fell upon them, but a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to the hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision and there remained no strength in me for my comeliness was turned, turned in, in me into corruption. And I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then I was in deep sleep on my face and my face towards the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palm of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I sent now. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood trembling. Then I said, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that thou didst set thy heart to understand and chasten thyself before thy God, they were, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and, and I remained there with the king of Persia. 
Now I'm come to to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the day in the latter days, for yet the for the for yet the vision is for many days. Um, and then he goes on to explain more about what's going to happen. So here he's saying that the prince of the kingdom of Persian Persia, which is commonly believed that this is a demon, had locked him up or had held him back. And this was an angel that was talking to Daniel. Mm-hmm. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me and rem- and remained there with the kings of Persia. So this is a, this is kind of an interesting thing. And of course, everybody thinks that I'm going to go on to a conspiracy theory about <laughs> the uh, how corrupt our nation is or whatever. Um, there is blessings in the Bible it says that those that bless Israel, God, you know, God will bless those and curse those that, that curse Israel. I do believe that our government has been blessed partly because of that, or may, main, mainly because of that, and also because we have. Um, we did start out with some Christian principles and biblical principles, but there are, if you look around at governments throughout the world, most governments have some really, really bad, messed up, evil people in charge. I mean, there's a lot of bad going on and that includes in our government. We have, I mean, I, I look, I turn on the news and I'm like, man, why, why does God have to let some of these losers get into office? You know, why couldn't he? Why couldn't it just be decent people? So anyways, I'm not going to go on on to this um, whole theory about this too, too much. But if you read Daniel chapter 10, I think it'll come. You'll start to understand the fact that there are there is demonic forces that are embedded. And God has even given given Satan some reign in this world. And he has some influence in our governments. And so we are we are going to be under persecution. We're going to be under bad uh, bad actors, evil, evil doers that are in government, but that doesn't mean that God didn't institute the government as as the authority. It, it would be kind of like being in a bad marriage. God, God instituted the mar- the marriage, the government, and the church are three institutions that God put into place, and mm-hmm. and the church was there to um, help stop evil. I mean, when the church, a good church, is there, it helps stop evil because it it helps people turn their hearts in the right direction. The marriage stops a tremendous amount of evil. There's a lot of evil in the world that when content married people obey God's laws and stay within the confines of marriage, that stops evil. The same thing with government. Government can do it by force and stop people from doing evil. But that doesn't mean that the government itself is righteous or good or that it's good people in government. So as Christians, we can be under a very, very bad government. Even, I mean, there's there's countries right now where it's illegal to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. But the Bible does say that there is no laws against the fruits of the spirit, you know, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long suffering, self-control. And against such thing, there is no law law. And so that is one thing that, that I, that I oftentimes find myself assured in is no matter what they do, they can't rob my joy. They can't, they can't take my patience away. You know, sometimes it's a little test tests it, but anyways, I think for Americans at this point in our day and age to, to, to have a hard time obeying government is probably more of a flaw on our end than anything else, because we we're very, very blessed to be in a, in a time and a space in history right now where we can be Christians. We can obey God and we're not persecuted. I'll let you take it from there for a minute. Now. I don't know where I went with that. Um, I, it's okay. Uh, the, the, the important thing to remember is that we currently have one third of the number of viewers we had when we first started reading a whole chapter of the Bible. Uh, <clears throat> I stopped partway through. Do you want me to finish? <laughs> no, 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 I don't. Um, <clears throat> no, I'm, I just have to give you a hard time. So, 
Okay, so the obvious thing, or what we would think would be obvious, is when God tells the Christian, or I'm sorry, when God tells the Christian to do something and the government forbids it, then that is clearly when we should disobey the government. The trick is all the times leading up to that, because the government usually doesn't start out by saying, okay, no more Bibles, the Bible's illegal. No more preaching, no more baptizing, no more, you know, uh, no more churches. We're going to padlock the doors. You usually lose your freedoms a little bit more slowly than that, unless a tyrant is able to come into power and has sufficient force behind what they say uh, in order to just lock the doors. So <clears throat> I can tell you this, the one of the Baptist distinctives is the separation between church and state. And the idea is that no government is ever supposed to run the church and no church is ever supposed to be in charge of or run the government. You see, it's a train wreck either way. When you get a church that runs the government, then what do they do? Well, they typically use that power to persecute and silence any opposition in the religious realm. And you've seen that all around the world. I mean, that's not new. Um, <clears throat> and the Christians are supposed to avoid allowing the government to ever be able to run the church. Because then again, we have a conflict because who's supposed to be running our church? Who's supposed to be the head of the church? That's Jesus. And our final authority for all matters of faith and practice is supposed to be the Bible. So when you get the government involved, who, by the way, can mess up a rock fight, they are going to mess up uh, uh, the worship of God. <clears throat> so the two are supposed to be separate. Now, Christians are allowed to be involved with civil government. They're allowed to vote. They're allowed to sign petitions. They're allowed to run for office. That's fine. But the government in no way is ever supposed to affect uh, the church. And right now, we have a situation where those boundaries are being tested. Now, what is currently going on in Texas? What are the laws as far as um, how free is Texas with their churches concerning, you know, the COVID boogeyman? Uh, well, Greg Abbott, fortunately, is a, is a Christian and he's a conservative guy. So um, who's that? Greg Abbott. He's the governor. Of Texas. Governor. Okay. Yes. Forgive my ignorance. No, it's fine. He's the guy in the wheelchair. And, he's in a wheelchair. Um, I didn't know that. Either. Yeah. So he's, um, he's typically pretty conservative. Mm -hmm. He, they originally of course shut everything down and there was um, churches all over the place that were getting shut down because of social distancing and that type of thing. And it was mostly by counties and cities. And so then he specifically did an executive order that said that churches were exempted from uh, like businesses having to close down. So churches mm -hmm. have been exempted here for a long time. That being said, there's a lot of churches that were just very happy to roll over and play dead, especially big churches. I think they didn't want the liability of, yeah. of somebody getting sick and then feeling like they got it at church, which mm -hmm. I don't <clears throat> understand. Um, anyways, nobody ever gets sick at church. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't understand where you where you get to the point where where you're um, 
I, I guess if it was a big church, they, they get to the point that they're, it's more of a business and mm-hmm. they got liability and they probably got lawyers advising them. And yep, anyway, they don't anyways. want to get sued. So um, our church, um, we met nonstop. Actually, our, we had a two week break where we, we met um, outside of the church building because our fine county judge decided to do an executive order here stating that churches could not meet. Mm-hmm. And so we continued to meet in homes for that time for two weeks until Greg Abbott did a new executive order that, that uh, went over the top of that. So um, yeah, I think uh, what you're mentioning here was addressed. I'll just read acts five twenty seven. This mm-hmm. I think is a biblical explanation of why churches should be justified in, in civil disobedience in this way. So acts five twenty seven through 29, um, and this, I remember, I just read from Peter a minute ago, First mm. Peter 2, Peter tells us to obey the government. Here is Peter. And when they brought them in, they set them before the council and the high priest asked them, saying, did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And, be, and behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your, with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. there for them. It was a very clear answer that there was, there is a higher law that we answer to above mm-hmm. and beyond the, the ordinances of man. Correct. So the idea is when the law of man gets in the way of what we're supposed to be doing for God, we obey God rather than men. So <clears throat> now you have uh, Greg Abbott, the conservative Christian uh, as your governor. And I don't know if you know this, Caleb, uh, but we have a liberal communist uh, queer idiot for a governor in Colorado, and he's not as warm towards churches as most liberal, stupid, communist, queer governors are. So <clears throat> uh, all the churches were uh, shut down. You know, no one was allowed to meet for a, a period of time, and then they were only allowed to meet you know, in certain ways and they had to, they had to wear masks and they had to have, they had to set themselves up like every other business with, you can do it this way and you can't do it that way. And, and it's unfortunate to say that the majority of churches are uh, going along with it. And uh, is it getting in the way? It obviously absolutely is. Uh, Because of that, we started a home fellowship uh, just a couple of weeks ago because of the mask order and we didn't want to go to church and sit there with a mask on for several hours. We didn't want to put our kids through that. And the problem is there are a lot of people that are, you know, super in favor of the whole mask order. And uh, so we didn't want to be a problem at our church. So we said, you know what, we're just going to meet on our own at home until, you know, this thing goes away. Uh, which seems like it's never going to, uh, every date just keeps getting extended, but the principle that there is a separation between church and state, it doesn't really seem to be something that is very important for most churches. Um, most churches, uh, seem to be leaning on the side of, uh, we're going to, uh, do, uh, what the government says. And I don't know why that is, uh, but that seems to be the case. 
you will find that most uh, fundamental Baptist churches are not. Uh, they're doing what they want, and that's kind of the end of it. And there are a handful of churches that don't really seem to care, and they don't shut their doors, and they say, you know, we're a church, we're going to meet, we're going to worship God, and we don't care what you have to say. And there are a lot of folks that don't like that, you know. Uh, there are a lot of Christians that seem to be on both sides of the fence, for sure. So, <clears throat> okay. So with that, when else are we supposed to let the government get involved in Christianity and the Bible and the church? See, the, the difference between the two things we're dealing with is as an individual Christian, I am supposed to support the government and I'm supposed to obey the government until the government gets in the way of me being able to worship and obey God. Would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Okay. So then you have this other issue, which is I am commanded to meet regularly with other Christians for corporate worship under the institution of the local church. And then you have the government getting in the way of those churches. So see, it's kind of a problem because personally, I get to make decisions. But as far as the church that everyone goes to, the majority of us don't get a say in what the church does. We just go there. It usually comes down to a small group that makes those decisions. So you got around that by meeting in your home. I am getting around that currently by meeting in my home. <clears throat> and this points me back to what I've been saying for a while now, which is churches started in the homes and they are going to finish in the homes because it is much harder for government to interfere with a church that is in a home. You can't padlock the doors and go into the office and, you know, and pull out the papers and get the role of everyone that's a member of the church and, you know, and start persecuting people because it's just a group of people meeting in a home. And this week we meet in your home and next week we meet in my home and the week after that we meet out in the woods. Right. Well, and it, yeah, we actually we actually made a public statement and posted the first, the first week that they actually shut churches down, um, mm -hmm. I was in support of, I mean, that we discussed it. What should we do? Should we go ahead and meet anyways? Mm -hmm. If law enforcement shows up, do we tell them, show them the door and say, unless you have a arrest warrant, you know, mm -hmm. go away. How do we do it? And, and of course I was in favor of us not intentionally the, the Bible does say for us not to forsake the gathering together, but it doesn't say we have to do it in a specific building. So mm -hmm. I was in favor right. of us just saying, Hey, we'll just meet in homes. Yeah, And so I showed up early ahead of church to post a, a paper on the door and the uh, sheriff, mm -hmm. the sheriff deputy was at the, the Baptist church across the street sitting mm -hmm. in their parking lot. I posted the notice on the door at our church. Mm -hmm. And as I was leaving, he crossed the street in his, in his uh, cruiser SUV and pulled mm -hmm. in. Yeah. Cruiser is what I'm looking for and pulled into our parking lot. And I was like, I'm glad we're not doing it. And we had a notice posted on the door saying we're meeting at homes. So that week we did meet in homes in uh, like two or three smaller groups. And then the next week we met at an undisclosed location. Mm -hmm. um, 
And it was a whole church met, but it wasn't in the building. And then the, the executive order came down and that was kind of fun. It was like the underground church. Experience. Sure. Yeah. After a couple of weeks. So let me ask you this. What, because um, the sheriff's department in our county flat said, we are not the mask police. We're not enforcing this. We're not enforcing who stays open and who closes. We're not enforcing any of this. We have real crimes to deal with, period. You know, and that was it. So what was funny to me was that when law enforcement said that, there are still large groups that are going along with it, mm -hmm. which kind of baffles me. Yeah. So what well, did they, were there people going to the church across the street from yours? No, no, nobody they were was showing down. up I think they either. were just going, yeah, they were just going door to door to make sure there was nobody at the churches. Can you, would you honestly, who on earth would want to be the sheriff's deputy that got that job? It's like, oh yeah, no, that's great. In a small town with 2000 people, I want to be the guy to drive around on Sundays and make sure all my right. neighbors aren't going to church. Give me a break. It's it's a sad yeah. day, you know, when law when that's what law enforcement is doing. Because really, you got to wonder, okay, well, what's next? Confiscate the Bibles and burn them in the church parking lot? Are you going to show up to work on that day? You know, it, it it's a sad day when those that are in authority go along with orders like that. You know, yeah. there's a time for everyone to be a man and stand up and do what's right. And it seems like a lot of people in America missed it on this last go round. And the interesting thing is, is we had a president that did not didn't say the churches need to shut down. But mm -hmm. we have some governors that do or um, in our case, it was a judge, a county judge, which isn't I don't think they're supposed to be making laws. Yeah, <laughs> from the bench. They are not. No, <laughs> that's not the way it works. That's still our problem with abortion rights in this country. Roe v. Wade, we had sure. legislation from the bench. Um, but yeah, you have uh, somebody here just commented and just said that there were cities that you know said otherwise. And we had the same thing here in Texas. We had cities that were imposing all kinds of fines and different things. And that was one mm -hmm. of the things that the governor did in his executive order, is he said it overrules any other local jurisdiction and they're not, it's unlawful unlawful for them to pass laws that go above and beyond the state's requirement mm -hmm. and it's specifically there was places where they were finding people for not wearing masks and he said well you can't do that so now they can't impose a fine but what some cities have done now is they're saying that they'll they'll pull your license to be able to do business there if you don't require people so they're making the businesses be the mask police yeah so again one more reason that a home church avoids all of the conflict you know, right. we don't have a business license that you can pull. We're a group of Christians that get together. So it shows how homes. complicated it shows how complicated government can be. Sure. So I was when you were talking about it, I just pulled up. Um, so Robert Jackson, he was a judge in the I believe he was one of the main judges during the Nuremberg trials when they were trying the Nazi war crimes. Mm hmm. And um, real quick, I, do you know how many guys were executed at the end of that? How many? Twelve. Twelve. Wow. Yeah. There's, 12. Only, there's only 12 real bad guys. Yeah. It was such a joke and such yeah. a disgrace. It, it gets my blood boiling whenever I think about it. And part of the reason that so many of them got off scot-free, I mean, there was a, there was a few different reasons. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of them that got off scot-free because they were using the argument that, well, we were just obeying orders. Sure. This is the law. This is the law of our land. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's during the great opening defense statement, to hide behind. Yeah, exactly. During the <laughs> opening statement, basically the judge said that there, there was another law above their law. And that was because the Nazis were not, um, were not the only government in in Germany. There was mm-hmm. also a, a official government at the time that the Nazi Party started coming into party into power. So part of the statement says we find at this time at this period two governments in Germany, the real and the ostensible, the forms of the German Republic were maintained for a time, and it was the outward and visible government. But the real authority in the state was outside and above the law and rested in the leadership core of the Nazi Party. Um, and basically, that was what the, the prosecutors used here. Obviously, this is talking about an isolated situation, but the prosecutors basically argued the point to say, isn't there a law that supersedes the, the law of the Nazi party? Mm-hmm. And it begs the question, it reminds me of us as Christians, do we just go along with every law that a uh, wicked and cruel government, I mean, when we're, when we're commanded to, uh, you know, welcome the 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 oppressed and to to um, feed the hungry and mm-hmm. you know all the different things that we're as Christians that we're supposed to represent and then we have governments that might be doing the opposite at the time um, you know you look at abortion in America right now do we have or do we do we go along with that do we I mean some people have concerns because their tax dollars are going to, to fund abortion so do you pay your taxes or not that's a big question um, so anyways it's there, I, I think as Christians, we should look at it and say, like Patrick said, you know, we and there, we should be looking for a kingdom which is to come, not mm-hmm. not not being sold out for the current government. I think it's interesting that the Bible doesn't. If you talk to most Christians right now, they'd probably be shocked to realize this because it seems like, well, obviously, um, as Christians, we believe as American Christians, we believe in democracy and we believe in, you know these rights and these principles and these values, but the Bible doesn't actually really set up. It doesn't, it doesn't establish that, that there has to be um, uh, democracy republics. You won't find any of that model in the Bible. You won't find that there, you know, like you look at uh, England, the way that it's run, you know, these where it gets passed down from generation to generations, uh, whatever that's called a uh, monarchy, monarchy, um, and so that's not, some of those different forms of government aren't really uh, when when they when it says in in uh, Romans or in, or Peter for us to obey the government, that statement is an absolute statement regardless of the government. It doesn't say mm-hmm. if it's a good government or if it's a, if it's a democracy or if it's a Republican leader, you can obey them. But if it's a Democrat, then you don't. You know, it doesn't it doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. It just says to obey the government. So and I, I think that this is I was watching a video of a guy the other day that was having this encounter with a police officer and it could have been a very simple encounter. But the guy was such a jerk through the whole entire thing. And um, and then you, uh, this one actually ended in a more positive ending. But there's some some of them where people just have to, to be such troublemakers where they cannot submit to authority in, uh, under any circumstances, even if even if law enforcement is just trying to ask a simple question, they just have to be a jerk about it and it's like mm-hmm. um and i i see that sometimes in, in christianity in fact i think patrick and i talked joked about it at one point we should start our podcast should just be called jerks for jesus <laughs> t-shirts that say jerks for jesus <laughs> but anyways 
um, we, we don't have to, we don't have to constantly be troublemakers. Sometimes we can, there's issues that we don't have to push it on. And some of these, even the current issues where I don't see the, the government intentionally trying to persecute Christianity right now. I mean, some of this is a, probably a test run for how they can shut down churches and there's going to be bad actors that are going to, are going to take that route, but they're applying all the way across the board, the same kind of restrictions with this whole COVID thing to businesses and churches and, and alike. I mean, it is, a, it is an infringement on our, our rights or our, our freedom, but it doesn't seem to me like it's just an all out blatant attack on specifically on Christianity, at least here in Texas. I haven't seen that to be the case. Probably yeah. in some States it is. Well, and really, you know, it would be hard to say that that's what it is here in Colorado, although, the, you know, there was a period of time where essential businesses were open and churches were not on that list. So churches were not allowed to be open while other businesses were. And everyone in the churches were looking at Walmart and Home Depot and all these different places. And we're like, well, I guess you can't get sick in those places. You can only get right. sick in church, you know, and it was really just asinine, the logic behind it. There, there, there was none. And, you know, because of that, a lot of people were upset because we're saying, look, you're okay with gatherings of thousands of people. You know, you're just saying that they're not allowed to do it, you know, in a church. And I think that was really what was upsetting a lot of people, you know, out here. But <clears throat> what you said is probably is a good point that if nothing else, this is certainly a test run to see how it's going to go, you know, for the next uh, for the next go round. And I think the fear that a lot of people have is that there are there are problems it, you know, you are restricted in, in parts of Canada for what you're allowed to preach on, including Romans chapter one, because you're not allowed to preach against homosexuality, you know, and churches are getting shut down and people are getting arrested simply for preaching against a sin that is a sexually perverse sin that God calls an abomination and happens to be a capital crime when you re read Leviticus chapter 20. And, you know, th those are just our neighbors to the north. Okay, we're not talking about a communist dictatorship, you know, we're not talking about Romania in 1990 or Germany in 1940, what, you know, we're talking about Canada. And, you know, so there, there is uh, a restriction and persecution of, of uh, churches. And I think people are seeing that and what you're allowed to say and what you're allowed to do in different arenas and Christianity is being censored. And we're like, well, it's only a matter of time. You know, it is coming. So I think a lot of people, they kind of want to know, well, what, am, what do I do? You know, what do I do? And, and my suggestion is, you know, worship God, okay, the same way you always have. Okay, there doesn't need to be any changes. And if you have to pivot, then go ahead and do that. But don't stop. You don't stop giving the gospel. You don't stop reading the Bible to your family. You don't stop praying, you know, no matter what the case. Now, I will tell you this, Caleb. When that cop drove across the street to your church, if I were you, and this is me, the troublemaker, I would have absolutely opened those doors, put the little rubber stopper down, you know, and when he walked up, said, welcome, are you here for church? <laughs> Because I could not think of a better story 
than me getting arrested for refusing to close the doors to a church. I mean, you could tell that story every day for the rest of your life, you know, and look like super Christian. And the fact is, you know, you would have been out of jail in, in two hours and back home for lunchtime, even though it was a Sunday when you guys had already decided to meet somewhere else. But I think they pitched you a softball and you decided not to swing away. I think, I think, you, I think, I mean, that would have been such an easy one, you know, and it would have been a joke, really, because there are Christians around the world being persecuted in meaningful ways, you know, and, and, and here we are, you know, dealing with inconveniences. But the, the concern is we know that a little slap on the wrist, a little inconvenience, a little bit of freedom taken away never remains that. It all, it's always right. more and they always want the next step, you know, and that's what we're getting for. And, and personally, you know, uh, <clears throat> that, that's the whole, you know, point for me is, you know, I'm not going to let uh, the government stop me from doing anything. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to preach the Bible. I'm going to teach the Bible. I'm going to get together with my family. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to pray. We're going to find lost people and try to get them saved. We're going to do all the stuff we always did. And as far as the government, you know, I'm going to give them the finger. And I really don't care because when I die, I am not going to stand before my local county, state or federal government. Okay, I'm not going to be standing before any of them. Okay, I'm going to be standing like before that. Christ. You know, if, if Patrick ever runs for public office, this will be a clip that gets pulled. Patrick converting <laughs> government officials <laughs> one middle finger at a time. There you go. I mean, at the end so of the Chris, day, you know, Chris ahead. said something a second ago. He said something. I must have missed what you said, Patrick. So, Chris, yeah. if you're still on here, comment. Tell us what you were, what it was that you're saying. There was logic, logic behind because I missed. Oh, that. yeah. People need to understand when you guys comment, if you're commenting about something that we say and you're trying to do it in real time, your comment ends up coming up a minute behind. So we never know what you're talking about. And, and we're not trying to avoid dealing with the comment. It's just right. that it's impossible to try to you know keep track unless you clue us in on what we said. And then we can go back and, and talk about it. So I thought of... Uh a couple of situations here. So obviously I mentioned a minute ago, we shouldn't be jerks for Jesus. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't just be out to pick a fight with the government. And I think sometimes you, you kind of have to pick and choose. You have mm -hmm. to pick your, pick your fights. Mm -hmm. um, I think there are going to be fights that coming with this whole COVID thing. Um, oh, as far as the logic behind gatherings that were restricted, Walmart was not. Um. Yeah, so I'm not sure. Still not sure if I follow what he's saying there. But yeah, so obviously they it does it didn't it didn't make sense that it, no different than now now you can have a peaceful protest and go down burn down the police department and you don't have to worry about mm -hmm. social distancing. But if you want to if you want to go to church, that's outlawed. So here we have a situation with um, with Paul where he appealed his he appealed to Caesar. And I think that this this says something about Christians being able to stand up for your rights. Paul could have, Paul could have just said, "All right, God, you take care of me. What I, you know, I'm in your hands. Whatever they do to me, you know, I'm just going to keep on preaching the gospel, and I'm not going to stand up to to anybody." And Paul didn't choose that route. Um, if you look in um, Acts 25, is is that story? 
Um, and then we have in Daniel, I'm going to go back to Daniel. I'm not going to read a whole other chapter in Daniel, believe it or not. <laughs> Daniel chapter six. Um, and this is where King Darius had signed the, signed the uh, writing that, that nobody could, well, here, um, was it then, bow, uh, let's go bow bow down verse to the six, statue the, or no praying which one was it uh let's go with verse six here then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and and said thus unto him king darius live forever all the presidents of the kingdom the governors and the princes the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or any man for 30 days save thee o king he shall be cast into the den of lions now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it may that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to God as he did aforetime. So I think Daniel, this is this was Daniel's uh, <laughs> way of, of doing what Patrick said a minute ago. This is Daniel's way of telling the government he didn't care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he could have closed his window. He could have prayed quietly in his heart. He could have mm -hmm. gone into his closet. Mm -hmm. And he instead chose to go next to an open window mm -hmm. and pray, knowing that he was going to be cast into the den of lions. He read the decree. He knew it was signed. And he knew what he was doing. And he was like, you know what? God means enough to me that I'm going to go ahead and do this anyways. So this is a good example of where God saw Daniel's act of civil disobedience and God stepped in and saved Daniel. And Daniel believed and had faith in God that he would save him. So this is a, this I think actually does really apply to what we're dealing with right now as Christians, we shouldn't hunker down and be afraid to continue serving God and continue. Like, like you said, pray, minister to people, share the gospel. And um, this is a time when, Everybody is stuck at home. Everything that they knew that worked doesn't work anymore. A lot of them are out of a job. The, they can't even buy, well, you can buy toilet paper now, I guess, but you can't even buy toilet paper for a while. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear. And then this is a time when people actually can turn to God because everything else that they thought was solid in their life is falling apart. And they go to turn to God and the doors, have, the doors on all the churches are locked. Mm -hmm. And that to me is, is a problem. And I know people are, some churches are using technology to, you know, to live stream events online or whatever, but this is a, this is a really good time for the church to go underground, go into, go into your homes, meet, um, and, and continue doing what we are supposed to do, what we're commanded to do and, and not forsake the assembling together. Oh, I ran off on a rabbit trail earlier on something I was saying, and then I remembered later what I forgot to say. Now I forgot. I forgot what I remembered. <laughs> That's okay. So that was, I figured that would be a valuable thing to wrap up our episode with. Sure. Well, we're, we're down to the last minute. So uh, any final thoughts before we, before we close? Uh, no, I guess, um, I guess ultimately in looking at this subject i'm so thankful that we live in the time that we do we are so blessed to be christians in america right now and i think that we should like paul be willing to stand up for our rights stand up against infringement on those rights um, but also be willing to to realize that there is going to be persecution there is going to be 
the times where where we have to submit to evil leaders in government um depending on how this next election goes there's who knows how things are going to go in this country and so we have to be prepared that as a church as christians that we do need to submit to the government even though the government isn't great and we don't just give up on on the fact that god instituted government when things go awry oh that was what i was going to say earlier about merit god god instituted marriage he instituted the church he instituted the government but just because there's bad marriages and people cheat or things don't always work in, the, in in a marriage doesn't mean that we give up on marriage and we say, Oh, well marriage doesn't work or just because mm-hmm. there's problems in churches and there's people that are apostate and there's people that are troublemakers. We don't say, well, the church doesn't work. God instituted the church. It does work when it works well. God instituted government and we shouldn't just give up on government and become anarchists because we see problems in government. We do need to recognize that as Christians, we do need to be submitted to the government. That was what I was going to say. Well, um, yeah, the last thing that that I can think of has really been my one thought this whole time, which is the people that are throwing a stink about this, that are upset about this, it's a good sign in your life that this upsets you and this is a problem because for every one of you, there's 10 or a hundred Christians in America that doesn't really care and might even look at it as well. Now I have a good excuse not to have to go to church on Sunday for a little while while this thing's going on. What's going to get people back to God is when that freedom to worship is taken away. As soon as the Bible's illegal, as soon as meeting with other Christians to discuss the Bible is illegal, you're going to see a lot of people take their faith really seriously. Right now, we can sit at home on the couch in our pajamas, eating potato chips, and watch church from our on our tv in our living room uh it's so easy and it's so easy not to have to go to church that a lot of folks don't this persecution that's starting that's just barely starting is the beginning of an answer to prayer from christians around the world to get american christians serious about god and the bible again So what I would tell you is take stock of your Christianity, of your Christian life. Are you taking it seriously? Are you spending time with your family reading the Bible? Are you giving the gospel to the lost and dying world around you that you can? Are you meeting with other Christians and worshiping corporately in your home or at church? Because... It is going to start getting taken away and you don't want to be the person that starts to take it seriously then, because as soon as that happens, we're going to need a lot of people who have already been taking it seriously for a long time to step up into positions of leadership to help people. So my encouragement for everyone would be to prepare to be that leader and to start doing that now. 
and you're going to find that God's going to have a calling for you. He's going to have work for you to do at that point. So, you know, I guess start doing the equivalent of push-ups and sit-ups and, you know, preparing for that triathlon by reading your Bible and praying and, and helping people now. Um, with that, you want to tell anybody about your social disobedience Facebook page that you started? <laughs> oh yeah. So if you want, you can find there, I, there's a, a Facebook group called no mask Colorado. And that's a Facebook page or group that I started. And that's for people that are against wearing masks and uh, so you can join that and you can find out where you can go in the state of Colorado. So even though the governor made an order that you have to wear a mask, there's lists on that page of all the businesses that don't say anything or care if you come into their business without a mask and they'll still let you in and you can still, you know, go shopping and do whatever you want. So anyway. Uh, what's discouraging is there, there are not that many churches <laughs> listed in that group. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Texas, but I'm a part of the Facebook group. And it's kind of interesting seeing what some of the businesses are posting on their doors saying, oh, yeah. you know, this is, you're welcome to come in anyways. If, you, if you're not wearing a mask, we're going to assume that you're not wearing it because you can't for medical yep. reasons. And we're not going <laughs> to ask you any questions. <laughs> yep, exactly. I mean, I went to Jerry's uh, Outdoor Sports, which is where I buy some of my guns and accessories. And they have the same um, notice that every other store had with a sticky note on the bottom saying we are not enforcing this in any way. <laughs> You know, there is another one, a pawn shop, where I also buy some guns, and they had a notice that said, the governor of Colorado requires us as a business to let you know that you are required to wear a mask uh, in any business. This is your notice. <laughs> you know, they weren't enforcing it, but they're like, we're, we've been told we have to remind you, you know, by posting a notice. This is the notice. <laughs> I was I was talking to somebody tonight. He's telling me that his business that he it's actually one of the guys that's on here watching. Um, but the, in his business, I don't know if he wants the free publicity to mm -hmm. tell the cops which door to go knock on. <laughs> but that in his business that they have a sign posted on the front door saying this has been declared a mask free zone, and yeah. we still shake hands. <laughs> you know, as, on in. as soon as the governor made his order. The first thing I did was I opened up my calendar and I went through and I called every one of my customers that I was going to where I was going to go to their house in the next week. And I just let them all know, hey, just so we're clear, I'm not wearing a mask. So if you want to find another plumber, do it now because no, I'm just not doing it. So and everyone laughed. Everyone's like, we could care less, man. You know, I mean, no one was no one was taking the thing seriously. And it's funny because if you watch our governor do a um, uh, get on TV and make statements. He throws a fit like a child and he just talks about the people that are not wearing masks and how we're the problem and we're a bunch of morons. And I mean, ju just so unprofessional and so ridiculous. He I, He's really throwing a fit like a small child. It's just hysterical. So now t-shirts are being made of him and his stupid quotes on his press releases and everything. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing just keeps getting more steam behind it. But well, anyway, I, I saw somebody, I can't remember who it was 
some governor, some politician in some state that recently made a statement, or maybe it's a senator, I don't remember, made uh-huh. a statement that they thought that there should be a law that, that if somebody doesn't wear a mask and then they infect somebody with COVID, that they should be able to be charged with murder. Yeah, well, <laughs> that moron doesn't seem to understand that 60 to 90,000 people a year die from the flu every single year, every year. And no one's been wearing masks yet. No one seems to think that's a big deal, you know, but all of a sudden um, this is the one, you know, it's just, it's so ridiculous, you know, what they're coming up with. So, well, and you said it a minute ago, this is only the beginning of persecution. There is going to be, there is going to be a lot that comes from this once they get everybody into this fear mode. Oh yeah. It's going to be mandatory vaccines. Your kids can't go to school if they're not vaccinated. Well, you can get, yeah, if you noticed on the comments here, my friend Shelby said he's getting ready for no vaccine Colorado as far as the next Facebook group that I'm going to start. Because you know that's what's coming next. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it. Oh, yeah. you know, it has to. That's going to be the next big thing is, you know, okay, everyone line up. We got this vaccine. We ran it through clinical trials, you know, in two weeks. Go ahead. You see that Russia just came out with theirs? <sighs> I could only imagine. Yeah. Yeah, and they named uh, what did they name it? They named it something because it, it was named after some other technological advance where they were the first ones to do something. They're, they're so they're proud of the fact that they they're the first ones that came out with the vaccine. So it's called Sputnik Two or something stupid like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, yeah, I'm signing so off. I'm exhausted. That's the, that's the that's the race right now. All right. Yeah. Thanks for getting on here. We'll Shabbat. do it. We'll see you next week. Shabbat shalom. All right. Shabbat shalom.